It is so good uh, to be back this week. Um, had a, a week in Costa Rica uh, last week, and I'm just so thankful for Todd and for uh, Kyle that, man, that I can be gone and not have to worry um, about what happens here, because I know that they're going to, to do their very best every single week. I get it's such a, a, a blessing to me and a relief to me uh, to not have to worry about those things or, or thinking about those things. And uh, Todd started us uh, in a brand new sermon series last week called Winning the War uh, in Your Mind, and it's based off of a book by uh, Craig Cruschel of the, of the same title. Um, and, and I want to start with one of the most important scriptures, I think, from God's Word on this topic uh, today, and it's found in Romans chapter uh, 12, and it's verse 2. And he said this, he said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Like, don't think like the world thinks, don't act like the world acts, don't behave like the world behaves. Like, don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world, because this world has, has a pattern. And it says, but be transformed, be, be renewed, be changed, by, by what? The renewing of your mind. So Todd kicked off this series last week, just kind of talking about our mind and the battlefield that, that it is. And I was in Costa Rica last week, and let me just tell you, it was a, it was a struggle. Like, my, like, it was a battlefield in my mind all week long. It started uh, Wednesday morning. We, we met here at 3.30 uh, last Wednesday morning and got to St. Louis at 5.30 for our 7.20 flight. At 4.30 that afternoon, they were rushing me off to Miami by myself and putting the rest of our group in a hotel in St. Louis. Like, I was furious. Like, I got to see some patterns of this world. Like, these poor ladies who were, who were at the airline counter, like, just being yelled at and screamed at by, by all of these people. Like, get us a plane. Like, that lady has nothing to do with getting you a plane. But there's a pattern. Like, when, when, we, when we get inconvenienced, when we get... Um, put out, like we want to lash out, even when it doesn't make any sense. And you will be, you will be happy to know that your pastor behaved. <laughs> like I, I did not yell at anyone. In fact, there was a, the youth minister from, from Evergreen was with us. And he said, man, he said, Josh, you, I'm just so like, and I never met him before, but he said, you've handled this so well. And I'm like, yes, yeah, because I have been quoting scripture to myself for the last Seven hours we've been sitting in the airport, like, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without, because I wanted to complain and argue. Like, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to fight. Like, so I, I was mad. And, and then we finally got to Costa Rica a day late. And that was the day we were supposed to take the girls from the safe house, those who have been uh, rescued from, from human trafficking. We were supposed to take them out to the volcano and experience that, 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 that day. But we got there too late, so we had to cancel that trip, so our group was kind of disappointed in that. Um, so then Friday, we were going to Pecora, where our church is, which is only 40 miles away, but every single time, it's a two-hour drive. 40 miles, two hours, and you know how your pastor is with road rage. Like, it, it's, it's not good. So again, I'm just having to, to just quote myself all the time, like, do everything without complaining or arguing, because like, that's what I have to do. Um, and so we're, when we're in Pecora, we're supposed to be building this fence around the, uh, around the property and thought that, you know, we can get this done in three days, uh, no problem. It's not, not very big um, and a pretty, pretty easy fence to put up. Um, but then it rained nonstop from Friday morning till Sunday afternoon. Man, 
Like, it's like God's beat me up this whole trip. Like, I'm going to teach you something. So then we, we get very few, like we dig three holes, I think, total. That hole is because it keeps raining and filling up with water. And, and it's, it's crazy. So we head back to San Jose to work on the safe house. So in there, we're, we're putting up this concrete wall there, and they had the rebar already put in about eight feet high, so we need ladders to uh, lift these blocks up over the rebar and, and put them down. And the night before, so Sunday night, someone had broke into their uh, container and stole all of their ladders. So we got nothing done on, on Monday, like waited for six hours to get some ladders. And then Tuesday, was going to be a fun day. We're going to go to the beach. I've never been to the beach in Costa Rica, so I was pretty excited. I've been there a dozen times and, and never seen the water. So we get to this beach, and it is nothing but rocks, like big, sharp rocks. I've got cuts on my hands and cuts on my legs, and every one of them on our trip is like beat up on the rocks. So like, like, it was honestly the worst trip that I could ever imagined in, in Costa Rica. And... Like, God's just, like, this battle is going on in my mind all the time. Like, hey, stay positive. Stay positive. Because I wanted to get very irrational. Like, in this trip, I won until I got home, and then I got irrational with my wife. But, but, but isn't, isn't that how we are sometimes? Like, do, do any of you ever feel that way? Like, maybe, like, you want to be, be nice to your spouse, and you're trying to make up, and the next thing you know, you're yelling at them for no reason. Or like you, you want to save money and you know that you need to save money, but instead you go shopping. You, you want to trust God with something, but instead you just worry and worry and worry. And it makes me wonder sometimes, why is it that the one thing that, that we want to do or we decide to do, and Todd even hit on this some last week, like we do something completely different. It's the struggle that, that Todd talked about with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Like why do we behave so irrationally sometimes? And the reason is because in our minds, we often have the wires crossed. Like, I don't mess with electricity because I'm scared of getting the wires crossed and, and electrocuting myself to death. But every time you think a thought, you know what happens? You're creating a new pattern, a thought or a pathway. It's like this mental trail in your head. Like, your experiences or, or your thoughts are, are wiring you or programming you um, in your brain. For, for example... It starts even very little, like with a baby. Like when a baby smiles, if, if the mama or daddy or who's ever holding them looks at them and goes, oh, and smiles back and going, goo, goo, gaga. Like that, that programs in their brain, like smiling is good. Or if, if they touch something that's hot, a hot stove or something, and they get hurt and they scream, like they, they realize it creates this pathway in their brain saying hot things are bad. Or if the baby wants a sucker and, and you're in the store and mom says, hey, no sucker, and the baby starts to cry and the mom gives the baby a sucker, the baby's brain says crying gets me a sucker. And that's why some of you moms are suckers right now, <laughs> right? Because like, here's what happens. When, when we think thoughts, our brain is creating these pathways. And the more we think those thoughts, the easier it is to think that thought again. And the more dominant a thought becomes, uh, which is really good news if you're thinking and focusing on the truth. But it's incredibly bad news if, if, if you're like so many of us and we're believing the lies. Like, why do we behave irrationally? Oftentimes, it's because our wires are crossed. 
Because what do we know about our minds? Our minds are a battlefield. And most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Like Todd looked at a powerful scripture last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm just going to summarize that for you. Uh, But the apostle Paul said this. He said that, that we live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. He says, as followers of Christ, we have weapons, and they're not the same weapons of this world. He says, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. And what's a stronghold in in our life? It's a pattern of thinking. It's a place where in our mind that that our our wires are being crossed. And he says, therefore, we demolish arguments in in every pretense. Like even the, the wrong crossed wires, we demolish those uh, that's put themselves up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Why every thought? Because it matters. And it matters because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Like you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. If you can't control what you think, you'll never be able to control what you do. So today, what I want to do is just create or give you some tools, and in the upcoming weeks, we're going to uh, build on those tools. And what I want to talk to you today about is how do we train our minds? Like, how do we create these paths in our mind um, to, to get away from the, uh, the lies that, that so many of us believe? And I'm guessing there are probably a lot of us have never even thought about what training our minds look like. Like you might have thought about training your dog or, or training your body. And thinking about training your body can actually be a, a good leap to training your mind. Uh, for example, for years, I thought that training your body was all about exercise. You know, we're going to run, we're going we're gonna to jump, we're going to do push-ups, we're going to do sit-ups, we're going to uh, do curls, we're going to do squats. And I thought that was all it was about. But I discovered that training isn't just about what you do with it. It's also about what you put into it. And it's such a good illustration of the mind. It isn't just how we've been thinking, but it's also what we put into our mind that can, can either train our mind or, or, continue, or we'll continue to believe the wrong thing. We can train our minds with the truth or we can train our minds with a lie. Because it's, no, it's not just what you do, it's what you put into it as well. And I wanna show you the Apostle Paul, like, and I love his story because you can almost track his progress. You can almost watch him as he trains his mind throughout his ministry. Um, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 8. And to give you some context, Paul's writing this from a, a Roman prison. And he's locked up on house arrest and, and chained to a, a Roman guard. Not, not an ideal situation. In fact, very, very terrifying uh, place to be. He's possibly awaiting his execution. Like he knows that the, that the end is getting close. And here's what he said. He said, now, dear brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Man, notice he didn't say, hey, God, you let me down. God, you've been, God, you've been beating me up. He could have said that. He didn't say, hey, I can't go on with life anymore. He didn't say, hey, things couldn't get any worse than they are right now. No, he said this. He said, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, think about those things. He said, I'm fixing my mind on that which is true. 
I'm fixing my mind on that which is honorable, on that which is right, on that which is pure or lovely or admirable. He didn't say fix your thoughts on the, the worst case scenario. Fix your thoughts on, on, on what you hate or what you're afraid of or what might go wrong. But fix your mind on what is good or excellent. I love the way the New King James Version translates the same, same verse. It says, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, it says we meditate on these things. We meditate on these things. Now, like, isn't meditation some kind of new age, spooky, like become one with the universe, cross your legs and arms, and hmm. I would be terrible at that. And that can be meditation. But I want to give you another definition of meditation. And I want to show you how it's actually scriptural and right um, and healthy if, if it's done the right way. A definition of meditation, a simple one is this. It is... Um, to engage in mental exercise or to focus one's thoughts. It's just to focus. In fact, if you look at the scripture, there are many examples of, of people meditating on the power of God's word. Uh, Psalm 119, uh, 15 says this, I meditate, God, on your precepts and consider your ways. Or Psalm um, 143.5 says, I meditate. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. In, in Joshua, in the first chapter, um, Moses is kind of passing things on and, and going on. Joshua's taking the lead. And Joshua says, I will meditate on your word day and night. I will not let it leave my lips. And I like that. Like Eastern meditation has a different focus. I've been told that oftentimes in Eastern meditation, the hmm stuff, that what you're trying to do is to clear your mind and focus on nothing. And biblical meditation is completely different. It's not emptying your mind, but it's filling your mind with the truth of God's word and focusing on that, focusing on the truth. In fact, to quote the great theologian Jackie Chan, he said, he said this in, in the remake of the Karate Kid movie, which I'm sorry, doesn't live up to Mr. Miyagi and uh, Ralph Macchio or, or even Cobra Kai seasons one, two, and three. Those are great. Um, but anyway, Jackie Chan said this. He said, your focus needs more focus. Like your focus needs more focus. Like you need to, to get some, rid of some of the stuff in your mind and focus on some of the truth that's in God's word. You need to uncross the wires in, in your brain that if they've been programmed to believe something that's not true, and you need to focus on what is true. Fix your mind on things of God, because when our mind drifts, and I don't know about you, but mine gets, gets drifted pretty quickly, it usually drifts to what is not true. It doesn't usually drift to a good place. It drifts to a bad place. It drifts to those thoughts of, hey, you're never gonna be good enough. You're, you're incapable. You should be ashamed of, of what you've done. God could never use you. And what we want to learn to do is focus and train our minds and meditate on God's truth. And, and listen, this isn't something that's going to, to be fixed in 15 minutes. If you've been believing a lie for 10, 15, 30 years, it's going to take a while to, to deprogram your mind. It's going to take a while to, to let the, the truth of God's word sink into you. And so one of the things that, that we have to do is we have to have a, have a plan to do it. 
And it starts with a question, and the first one is this. What stronghold is holding you back? What stronghold is holding you back? What would you say is the top wrong mindset that is holding you hostage? You have to identify where you've, you've crossed your wires. For some of you, it could just be a lie. Like you grew up in a household that struggled with finances, and so you think, man, I'm not any good at this. So you just believe, hey, I'm never gonna get out of debt. I just can't do it. Or you might have your wires crossed and you think, you know, I've tried for, for three years to overcome this addiction. Like I'm just never gonna be able to overcome it. That's just who I am. Or, or you might think for yourself, I'll just never be healthy. You know, people in my family aren't healthy. We're never gonna be healthy. Like, or I've tried to get close to God. I've been close to God for like five minutes before and, and then it went away. Like, so I'm never gonna be close to God. Or I work so hard, but I never get ahead. I'm never gonna be put in a place in life where I'm gonna have a meaningful job. I'm always gonna be doing something stupid or, or beneath me. I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna have a blessed marriage. Like what is the dominant stronghold that's holding you back mentally? Where, where, where is it that your wires have crossed that the devil has been lying to you and he's trained your, your, path, your, your mental pathway to believe that lie? That's the first part of the assignment. The second part of the assignment is this question. What spiritual truth from God demolishes that stronghold? What is the spiritual truth that demolishes, that obliterates that stronghold? And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a scriptural truth, like so not just a truth, but a scriptural truth, one that's empowered by the living word of God, and it's big enough to transform us. And we're gonna let his word renew our mind. And what I want to do is I want you to write out some truth, some very specific truth, whatever it is, whatever that, that stronghold is in, in your life that needs to be demolished, you need to write it down. And then I want to encourage you to write down a, a verse of scripture that will demolish that stronghold. And because we need to create some energy toward that. And I'll give you some examples. And you might be struggling, for example, to know God's will in your life. So you're gonna create a statement that could be like this. My life belongs to God. Like daily I, I seek him and daily he directs my step. I know his voice and he leads me in his perfect will. Like you're gonna write something like that down. You're, you're gonna write it down. You're gonna think it. You're gonna say it until you believe it over and over again. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him. He directs my, my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. Maybe you're lacking confidence and every time you come in, you feel insecure, you feel inadequate, you feel like you're not, you're not good enough. And your statement is gonna be something like this, my confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone. Because his spirit lives in me, I can do everything he calls me to do. And you're gonna write it down, you're going to think about it, you're going to believe it um, and, and, and until you believe it. You might struggle with fighting lustful thoughts and you're sick and tired of being held hostage to images and, and, shameful, and, and shameful ideas. And so you're going to let God renew your mind and you're going to say it over and over again that I am not a slave to lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. I will honor him with my eyes and my thoughts. My God is faithful even when I'm tempted. He'll always give me a way out. You're going to write it and you're going to think it and you're going to confess it until you believe it. You might find comfort in food and you don't want to do that anymore. So you're going to declare when I'm stressed, I turn to God, not food. I come to Jesus because he is what I need. I find strength and comfort in him. You might find yourself battling with worry all the time, consumed with worry. You're gonna write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. 
Because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God that, that dwells in my heart and it's ruling my mind. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna identify it? You're gonna understand where the strongholds are, where the wires are crossed in your mind? And then you're gonna identify the spiritual truth that'll set you free. And you're gonna write it down, you're gonna think it, you're gonna confess it until you believe it. And you, what happens is you begin to create these new paths according to the truth of God. And God begins renewing your mind. And I wanna show you how this has played out in my life. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you about some of the places where I've had wires crossed for years. As a child, for, for some reason, I always battled with thoughts of inadequacy. Like I, I, no matter what I did, I never felt like, like I was enough. And this just haunts me. Even today, it haunts me. Because as a pastor, I, I can never get it all done. Never. Like there, there's no way. I'm always letting somebody, someone down. And uh, when I try to bring my very, very best to the church, then guess what? I'm inadequate as a husband and, and a father. And when I get my focus right and say, oh, I'm gonna be a better husband and a better father, guess what? Then I'm inadequate at church. And I'm letting someone down there. And it's a stronghold that, that holds me back um, and fills me with ongoing guilt and shame. Like I struggle with it. And, and I hate to say it, but I do. Oftentimes I seem to care more about what, what people think than even what God thinks. And I don't like that. Because like when I'm preaching most of the time, like I can, I can be really, really bold. And then I come home and I'm just overwhelmed with this sense of insecurity of, oh my gosh, they hate me. Like they don't like me. Like I'm failing and I'm miserable. Like there are times when my priorities get out of whack where I work way, 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 way too hard. And then I neglect and take, take for granted the people that are closest to me. There are times when I feel just incredibly discouraged thinking, like I don't know if I can come up with another sermon. I guess it's like doing a book report on the same book every week. It's the Bible. Like, and then at Christmas, like it's the, the I've been doing this for 25 years. Yes, it, like still born of a virgin. Yes. Like I feel inadequate. Like how can I creatively express something in an interesting way that people are gonna be engaged with that's going to lead to, to life change? And so I battle with these deep feelings of inadequacy. So what I've had to do over the years and continually do to remind myself of the truth that's in God's word. Like I have to tell myself over and over again that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. That God has given me everything that I need according to his glorious riches that are found in Jesus Christ. That I am called, that I am chosen, that I am valuable, that, that I am equipped to do the work that he's called me to do. I've had to tell myself over and over again that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus that he's called me out of darkness into this glorious light, that he has called me to be a pastor, that he's called me to be a father, that he's called me to be a dad, that leads, and leads people to, to bring about change in their life. Like over and over again, I have to say those things to myself. I have to write it, think it, confess it until I finally believe it. And why does it matter? Because our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If you don't control what you think, You'll never control what you do. Take back your mind, meditate on the truth. Fix your mind on what is true and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Meditate on those things. Focus your mind on the truth. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna identify the strongholds where, where our wires have been crossed. 
Um, and then we're going to, to seek the truth that completely sets you free. And we're gonna write it, we're gonna think it, we're gonna confess it until we believe it. Write it, think it, confess it, believe it. And as followers of Jesus, what will we not do? We'll not conform to the pattern of this world any longer. But we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there are those of you, you know, you may feel like you're far from God. Like you don't know where you stand with God. Maybe in your mind, you feel like you've been way too bad for God. How could, how could he love someone like you? Let me tell you about the truth. Let me, let me tell you about the truth of God's love. God loves you so much. And that's true. And there's nothing you can do to earn his love. There's nothing you can do, whatever, to cause him to love you less. He just loves you, period. Like Romans tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we got our life cleaned up, not once you, you fixed all of the problems that were going on, not once you got rid of all of the sin in your life. It says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the truth, that God sent his perfect son into the world to die for you. And our God raised him from the dead so that anyone, and that includes you, anyone who calls on his name, your sins could be forgiven and you could be completely saved. I love that. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he preached to the people, the very people who crucified Christ. He said, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And they said, hey, what, what do we have to do? He said, it's simple. Repent, change your mind, renew your mind, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin." He forgives your sins. And in a moment, he can make you new. In a moment, your sins are forgiven. In a moment, you're filled with the spirit of God. And some of you, you need to, to, to believe that truth today. You've believed a lie for way too long that God could never love you. But for many of you, you're in Christ. And I'll tell you that you are strong and mighty. You have the same power inside of you that raised Christ from the dead. You are a weapon of, of righteousness in a world of darkness. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are, are who God says that you are. And he says that you're forgiven. He says you're redeemed. He says you're free. He says you're not a hostage to unhealthy thoughts. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. You have the word of God directing your steps. Worry, listen, worry is not your master, you're trusting God. The, the word says that his peace guards your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear or, or of timidity, but of power and of love and of sound mind. The Lord is your helper. It says you will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits or to your addictions. You're not a prisoner to your past. You have been rescued from the power of darkness into God's kingdom of light. It says, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Not death, not demons, not angels, not sickness. None of these things can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And why does it matter? Because most of life's battles, they're won or lost in the mind. The good news is that even though the battle rages on, like you have won the war. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as we pray. Father God, we thank you 
that your word renews our minds. Thank you that we're not a slave to, to our past. We're not a slave to the unhealthy thoughts that we have. We're not a slave to, to behaviors. God, I pray you'd help each of us to identify where the wires are crossed and that you'd clearly reveal to us in your word the truth that will demolish that stronghold, that, that will tear it down so that we can walk in freedom. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and all the promises that we have in him. It's in his name that I pray, amen.